Today, we are all about the mighty mutants of Marvel Comics, and we are starting with that Deadpool Wolverine epic Super Bowl trailer that had all the world abuzz. So many of you have asked me to weigh in on it, and I'm going to do that today. We are going to walk through Deadpool Wolverine together, and then we are going to take on X-Men, the animated series. It's coming back in March on Disney+. Plus. That seminal cartoon that we were all glued, we were all glued to watching on Saturday mornings, including myself. Well, it almost didn't get made. We are going to talk about the situations and and the hurdles that almost kept X-Men, the animated series, from making its way into our eyeballs in the first place. And we do it all on a brand new edition of Observation. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rob Observations. Yes, yet another edition of Rob Observations hosted by me, Rob Liefeld, hence the Rob in the Rob Observations. We are powering into our fourth year. It is just a couple months away here. I cannot believe we've been doing this for so long. I can't believe that you've all been along on this incredible ride with me. What is the ride exactly? The ride exactly is comic books and superheroes. They are my passion. They are my vocation. I, 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 com- I combine my passion with my vocation. When I was 18 years old, I got hired in comic books. I make comic books. 39 calendar years bringing you comic books, comic book adventures, superheroes, incredible characters. We dissect uh, the, the existence, the, the journey, the impact of comic books writ large on this show. And we have since the beginning, I am trying my very best to take you on the journey that I took, starting when I was seven years old, pulling those comic books off the spinner racks, the creaky spinner racks. Nothing gets more attention than when I do a Zoom meeting. And, and you know, the, the, the Zooms which were created because no, nobody wanted to be around us, uh, each, each other, because obviously we were sick in the pandemic. Nobody wants to go to a meeting anymore. And now I'm, I'm actually, I used to really like the in-person meetings, but the Zoom is where it's at, and I'm just as uh, as guilty as the rest of you. Is can it be a Zoom? Can I just hop on and and look through this portal and and have this meeting? It's pretty cool. But when I do my Zooms, behind me is my spinner rack, and I wanted to uh, fashion the, the 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 same experience that I had as a kid because it was so exciting to go to uh, the back of the the Seven Eleven, the market, the liquor store. Y- you cannot discount on any level. The excitement of that journey, the excitement of that journey, walking to the back of wherever the spinner rack was. Because again, they weren't at the front. They were never positioned at the front, not in any of my experiences. So if you had a different experience growing up when there was spinner racks or um, as, as it kind of pivoted to right in the early 80s where, where, where I lived, they had shelves. They went to shelves and, and, and separate shelving just for comic books, uh, lower shelving, which was you know on the bottom below. Uh, the 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 magazine ran racks. The magazine racks where you get your Time, your Newsweek, your Sports Illustrated, your Good Housekeeping, all that stuff. Uh, comics had had been regulated to make maybe two or three specific tiny racks that were uh, tiny shelves that were the an, enough space to to get the full back of the comic. You know, because again, conditioned to these, I think people knew 
You know, even though like me, I would buy a crumpled up comic because sometimes it was the only comic left. You didn't get to choose conditions and grades. You know, you go to the comic book store now nowadays and, and you may walk into the store when they let people in and you may be the second, the 10th person in line, but you got to wait behind that guy who is going to go through the, the stack of X-Men and he is going to eye them over one by one, looking at the spine, looking at the condition. You can't get those spine ticks because grading is everything now. We want our nine eights or bust. And so and you know, you're like, I just want to see the issue. I just want to get to the new issue. That didn't exist when I was a kid uh, growing up. The, the, the comics had been handled in some, in, some, in some ways mangled. Some of them were uh, maybe one of the staples was the only thing holding the, the cover collector because the, the cover together because the other, uh, you know, the, the handling of the comic book had ripped the lower portion of the book from the lower staple. And there's only two staples in that bad boy holding that all together. So again, I have tried my best to walk you through again, the liquor store, the, the, the food mart, the, the 7-Elevens that, that were so, uh, they, 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 they were, they were everywhere when I was a kid. That, that there was a wide variety, and comics were distributed. Drugstores not exempt from that. Uh, again, grocery stores. The big, the, all the big chains had some comic books, and all of the uh, what I call the mini marts, or what was sprouting up as the Seven Elevens. They had them. So, so kids like me, that's where the magic started. And for me, that magic turned into a career. And for that, you know, uh, for, for for me, that career has been this incredible ride. And I have just had the very best time, but along the way, I've been able to see some crazy stuff. I have, I've spoken often that I have been through, uh, let me see here. It's Jim Shooter. It's Tom DeFalco. I'm listing off editor-in-chiefs. It's the group editor phase, which lasted about a year and a half. Then there was Bob Harris. That's four. Uh, then there was Casada, Alonzo. Now, yeah, I have been through seven editor-in-chiefs uh, in, my, in my career since I've been doing this for 39 years. I've been through Seven editors in chiefs at Marvel Comics. I, I, I don't know what, what, what the turnover rate over at DC because I've spent like I, I've spent such a small fraction of my career over at DC Comics. But between Marvel and DC, they really built the foundation of the superhero universe. And then me and my friends in 1992, we launched Image Comics into the stratosphere, and it's been the number three comic book company ever since. At one point, twice in our history, we became the number two comic company. The first time was the most impressive because it was done with only seven comics. Now, these stories that I'm telling you, that I'm referring to, are, are, are many of them are told in more in-depth from my very first year, second year seasons on through. And so I would always encourage you, if this is your first time, uh, to, to go back because what I saw at seven years old to 10 years old to 15 to 18 to 22 is the evolution of a comic book marketplace that is continuing to evolve. And every so often we get into a period and people are, you know, uh, down on the comics industry. But I'm here to tell you as of February of 2024, as I'm, as I'm speaking into this mic and recording this, this latest episode, the comic book industry looks as if it is swinging back. And there is no denying that it just had one of the greatest weeks. It just had one of the biggest weeks uh, propelled forward by the Super Bowl spot for Deadpool and Wolverine. And after maybe a hundred or so uh, texts and emails and even a phone call, why aren't you uh, promoting Deadpool Wolverine, the, the, the trailer more? Why aren't you talking about it? 
I'm going to address it today. I'm going to absolutely 1000% address it. And I'm going to tell you kind of uh, why I'm addressing it today, uh, as opposed to maybe on Sunday where everyone was was shouting about the trailer. Absolutely, it was a huge deal. No one is cheering for Deadpool ever more than me, ever. I, I am uh, his day one. He does not exist, but for me and me alone, that is the God's honest truth. If the TVA goes and prevents Rob Liefeld from interacting with comic books, you have no Deadpool. You have no Deadpool. Zero. Not an, not not a shared idea with somebody because that's not what it, what it was. Like with Cable, like with Domino, like with Deadpool, Strife, all these characters, I walked in the door with them under my arms with their notations fully formed. And we're going to get to some of that stuff. We're going to get to that today. We're also going to cover X-Men, the animated series. We could not possibly cover all of it. But now that X-Men 97 is set to come back, we've got a March date. Uh, That's, again, part of the big week that comic books and, and comic books and media are having. And I'm so glad the cartoon is part of that because cartoons are so important in laying the foundation and 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 kind of uh, building building our love for these characters as it did for me in the 70s for the kids who are my age who watched Super Friends and the Batman cartoon and the Superman cartoon and the Spider-Man cartoon and the Fantastic Four cartoon yes with Herbie because Herbie is a product of a 1977-1978 comic book uh, I'm I'm sorry cartoon on NBC cartoon on NBC adapting the Fantastic Four comic book and when you see Herbie, the robot, in this ad, and it's taking place supposedly the Fantasy Four film, if we follow all the Easter eggs in the image, it's in 1963 or it's in the 60s. Well, Herbie was created in the 70s in front of my eyeballs. And I've done an entire episode on that Fantastic Four uh, cartoon and the rumors as to why the Human Torch was missing. And there's all sorts of information and misinformation. We try and cover all of it. This podcast examines the impact, the history, the evolution of the comic book market. When I was growing up, comic book superheroes were seen as childish endeavors, childish pursuits. I've talked uh, many times. I hid my comic book. Sometimes I would, and maybe you can relate to this, I would buy a comic book that was so singularly important to me. I'm thinking of one of the George Perez issues of the Avengers on his first run. The first run is, to me, where all the glory and and the amazing uh, uh, work is. I think his second run was a great kind of, uh, 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 you know, nostalgic revisit. But the the, the stuff from the 70s in those pages are, are, if you go and try and buy those pages from a dealer or in an auction, the 70s Perez stuff is so much more expensive for a reason. It's not because it was in the 70s. It's because those stories landed. Those stories landed. They, they, They had punch. They connected, they resonated. Uh, key issues involving Ultron, which was my favorite villain as a kid in the pages of the Avengers. Uh, the, those, those books, those issues, George Press's Avengers, John Burns X-Men, I would take them, I would put them in my folder, I would bring them with me to school so that maybe in the five minutes between classes in the locker, uh, as, as I'm changing out, I pop it out and I just want to look at those pages again, some of those favorite pages. One of my favorite pages ever from Days of Future Past the second part in X-Men 142, I own my favorite page of the X-Men ever. I own the original, so now I can crack open the safe and look at that as an original, and I don't care who's looking over my shoulder, but in high school, it was like, oh my gosh, life are you are you seriously into comic books? Nobody really wore superhero gear, t-shirts, that stuff. I went to a very mainstream private school. Uh, we, we were a big sports school. We won uh, 
CIF football my junior and senior year back to back. I was on the football team. I can tell you firsthand from being around all my friends who were giant linemen and linebackers. Uh, comic books were seen as a as a childish pursuit. One of my very best friends. He's still one of my very best friends. We 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 see each other. We we make sure that we have breakfast about six times a year to connect. Uh, I, we were out of high school together. We were spending almost every waking minute as he was starting his uh, freshman year in college. It was 1986. I had the uh, first copy of John Byrne's reboot of Superman, which I've covered here on that podcast. Again, I can't mention it without uh, telling you. You should go back and listen to the whole history behind this seminal uh, decision to to change course and change direction on Superman and restart it from number one. And it was with this artist who had become a giant superstar largely on the work that he did did for the X-Men. So John Byrne is doing Superman. I have the comic. I have a magazine that is talking about John Byrne's inspirations, what he was bringing to the page, why he decided to go this route, leave Marvel, come to, to DC to do Superman. And my friend, one of my very best friends says, oh man, you, you and those comics again? And it was because, you know, there were a bunch of girls coming over to hang out at the pool. Or, or, and, and it's like, am I going to have to explain why my friend Rob is such a geek and is such a nerd? And look, so I've been, I've, I've walked it, I've talked it, I've been there. I've experienced that. I love that guy. That, that's just a knee-jerk reaction because people thought comic books were kid endeavors. And they're not. We all know they're not. So, But the, for me to look out on the mainstream nowadays and see the hundreds of millions of dollars generated uh, that, that it takes to just make one of these movies, then to market one of these movies, that is part of the journey. And so much of what you're seeing on screen is a result of comic book creators like myself. And I celebrate comic book creators here. I, 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 we do it regularly. I want you to know who they are and, and I want you to understand uh, what they put forth and, and, and what aspect of their imagination that you as the mainstream audience, the, 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 maybe your family, because some of you are like, what are you talking about? Life? I'm not a mainstream. I'm a comic book guy. I get my comic books. I got them from the spinner rack too. I got them in the, I get that. But maybe your son and your daughter aren't. And when you're taking them to the movie and they're part of the giant buy that you're giving towards that movie on that opening weekend, and when you get down to the to the popcorn and the sodas and you're dropping $140 to take your family of four who weren't into comics like you, but you are the ambassador, you're taking them. Uh, I, I, again, I, I know this world. Do you think any of my kids gave two shits about the Guardians of the Galaxy? But in the summer of 2014, I made sure that we were all there for a Sunday, Sunday afternoon uh, screening. I had already seen it opening night. Wanted my wife, my daughter, uh, my two boys. And as I've said at the end of that, at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, I knew, oh my gosh, this thing is a tidal wave. As many of you realized, but I realized it when my daughter, who in, 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 in 2014, it's real simple. My son is 14 at that, in August of, of, or late July of 2014. My oldest is 14. My youngest son is 12. And my daughter is 11. And she turned to me and she said, I am Groot. And I said, what, Olivia? She says, I am Groot. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this little tree is having powerful connections. Wow. So that's fun because Groot was not always so well-known. He was not always this breakthrough mainstream character. So, But, but he, was, he was a product of Jack Kirby's incredible visual uh, imagination. And so, so that's, that, it, it's fun to connect the dots, and that's what we do here. And again, we're going to cover some stuff. The X-Men animated series, can't cover all that today. We're going to start uh, basically opening the door 
on on the behind the scenes because that's what that's what I love. I love sharing the moves behind the scenes, the, the the reasons why you see the stuff that you see. Now, specifically with Deadpool, it's it, it, it's funny. I have I have many thoughts. I'm going to try and kind of stay the course here. <laughs> bear, bear with me. Uh, I, I try always to land the plane with Deadpool, Deadpool Wolverine. Everybody knew this trailer was coming. Everybody knew it. Some people with really good intel had got spoilers. They kind of walked you through probably, you know, most of what you were going to see, but it's different than actual seeing it. So the thing you have to know about Super Bowl Sunday, I got to tell you, my dear and closest friends know that I am a lifelong Los Angeles Rams fan. When the Rams played uh, at, at the Coliseum and then moved to the uh, Anaheim Stadium, uh, one of my first things I did with my comic book bunny was buy season tickets. I would give. There is an anchor, talented guy named Danny Mickey, who had not worked for me for more than maybe two months. And the fall season was rolling around. The Niners were playing the the Rams. I knew that he was a San Francisco 49er fan. I hated the Niners as a division rival, as any good Ram fan uh, knows. You do not like the San Francisco 49ers. They have uh, been our brutal rivals. We have lost many games to them. So every win that we notch over them is that much more important. And we will never be caught dead, alive, whatever, rooting for a 49er victory in on any stage. And so my 49er fans, Marat, hello. I haven't spoken to you. I'll call you next week. I'm giving you some time. Uh, but there's, there's 49er fans on my live streams that I do through Whatnot, which is a great app, which you should grab but I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about whatnot later. For my 49er uh, fans, they know, they know all, all season long, I am rooting against them. Kyle Shanahan, Nick Bosa, that team is stacked with talent. You know, uh, we are fortunate, the Rams are, when we get a split with the, with, the, with the Niners in any given season. And two years ago, we went to the Super Bowl because we beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game on a last uh, minute drive with an incredible connection, a no-look pass from, from Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. Yes, I am a giant sports head, and I, was, I actually sat in the second row of, uh, of, of, of that game. Joy and I were seated, too, and we have the photos. You, we, we, lo and behold, how's it, what's this like in regards to a small world? We are seated next to Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes, Sarah Michelle Geller of Buffy the Vampire fame in, in. January of 2022. Now, I have known her husband, Freddie Prinz, for good God since before he went off to make I Know What You Did Last Summer because he was, I met him for a lunch in Los Angeles because he wanted to talk comic books and maybe pitch me a comic book idea. And he had very specific ideas, but he was on a very strict regiment, a diet because he was having to put on muscle and be the, you know, be the big stud that he was in I Know What You Did Last Summer. So I go back with Freddie to probably 1996, 1995. So, so I'm sitting there and I've, I have known Freddie, Sarah, for this long, okay? And so we were sitting next to her. She is a giant Rams fan. So we were all just having the best time as the Rams beat the 49ers. And you got to understand, uh, the, the, the very, very important here is that Sarah would go on to play my son's mother in the singular, the one season of Wolfpack that Paramount Plus went forward with that you can get on Paramount Plus. My son, Chase Liefeld, plays Sarah Michelle Gellar's son. What a hoot. If you don't think that's funny and we walk around and we laugh about that all the time, that was hysterical, okay? That was absolutely hysterical. Uh, they, ha- they, have a, uh, they have a scene 
uh, it, what, Chase is naked. My son is naked a lot in 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 the show. Uh, he he's running around naked in the forest because he's a wild child. Exactly who Chase Liefeld is at home. He is in the forests on Wolfpack, and he is running around buck naked. And I was actually going to a concert at the Hollywood Bowl in a rescheduled concert in, and I think it was September of 2023 when uh, 2022 when Freddie sent me a picture and said, "Who's this naked guy?" with my wife and he was chuckling because it was a picture on set of Sarah and Chase and it just made me laugh so hard so I mean it, it, again my, my 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 all of my worlds are combining comics Buffy Sarah Freddie um I, I've drawn Deadpools for Freddie okay so so we are united rooting against the 49ers and when they won that game it was such a big deal so cut to this last Sunday the 49ers are playing the Chiefs I am not rooting for the 49ers I am rooting for the Chiefs, I love Mahomes. I think Travis Kelsey is a stud. I dig the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey uh, uh, romance. It, it's just very strange. This is my my daughter and and the people that we were with will attest to when we were leaving the Taylor Swift concert at SoFi Stadium in August. I said Taylor should date an athlete. I literally said this to my daughter. I said the perfect match for Taylor would be, and I obviously it couldn't be this, and and time took a different turn. But like if she had dated somebody and married somebody like a Kobe Bryant who had his own sports career, his own income, his own fame, because imagine, you know, the the juggernaut that is Taylor Swift. So totally made sense to me, at least when suddenly she entered this relationship with Travis Kelsey, big giant NFL stud. So I was on board for that story 1000%. But I had a game to watch. I didn't give a rat's ass about any of the commercials the only one that legit got to me and i did tweet about was the dunk kings okay ben affleck with tom (laughs) with tom brady on keyboards and 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 matt damon oh my gosh and j-lo to me that was a spectacular just a spectacular spot 100 percent an incredible spectacular spot that i i had to comment on but i didn't tweet about the planet of the apes trailer which i liked i didn't tweet about a quiet place which i liked i I didn't tweet about deadpool i'm on the i need the chiefs to win i don't have money i don't gamble nothing like that is 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 riding on it It is my deep-seated passion as a rams fan to see the niners fail you want to call me petty go ahead your sports petty too at some point you have an nba team an mlb team uh uh, you, you have an NHL team, somebody, or or maybe it's your kid's rival across town high school. You get it at, at some point. Don't come at me with, Rob, you're so petty, because I am, A, I am, it's called sports hate. I exude it. Um, ask Lakers and Boston fans, okay? One of my good friends is a Boston fan. We have a kind of a, we have an arranged <laughs> existence. He is a diehard Boston fan. I am a lifelong Laker fan. So. I didn't have time for the Deadpool trailer, okay? And then the next day, I realized I didn't do anything. Saturday and Sunday came and went, and I hadn't worked, and everybody needed work from me. Covers, pages, the printer. I I had to get to work. I just did not have time. But then also, I mean, I got to celebrate Josh Brolin's birthday. I mean, freaking Cable, and I love Josh Brolin. Such a sweet guy. Loved getting to know him. Loved to call him friend. And, and I, come on, I got, I got to, okay. So, so that's what I'm doing that day. And then, oh man, it's it, the next day. It's, it's the, it's the anniversary of Deadpool one, the movie that started. Oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate that too. 
And oh my gosh, then, then, then I, Deadpool Wolverine, I, it's Valentine's Day. I, I got to celebrate Valentine's Day. So it just taken me a while to get there. But here's the deal. You knew you were going to like that trailer. You had the highest possible expectations and you still liked it. And I am so glad that you guys were able to see, boom, right there, Louis Tan, Shatterstar, uh, Marina Bacharin, v- Vanessa, and my main man, Wade, Mr. D. Pooley, Deadpool himself. So the Rob Liefeld creation branch, branch of, uh, of, of, of the, the, the MCU now, now the MCU, but the, the Marvel Comics you know, film production is alive and well. Deadpool, Vanessa, Shatterstar, and that's just in that clip. Now, here's the deal. It is, you know, we need to acknowledge that Wolverine, the people behind the creation of Wolverine are all past. Len Wein uh, has, has, has gone on. He, he passed on years ago. Herb Trimp passed on, I think, about a year before, 2015, uh, 2016. You've got Dave Cockrum, who, who also contributed, uh, passed on. Uh, all of the John Armita Sr., who drew up the costume design passed on your your core wolverine because because again wolverine's a different a different animal you know herb was handed a design lynn was asked to do a canadian character like uh and 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 so this created this different uh this different collaboration which unlike 1980-81 when frank miller walked in with electra but frank also was so talented he didn't uh he had he had enough time in his schedule to impart the the dialogue the script when i would introduce a character for marvel it was not a committee it was me walking in with the character fully formed my cable sketches have copious notes all around them informing you about the mystery the you know scar glowing eye i've told you all how I got a call one day from Jim Lee. Oh man, you, you, you put the scar in the wrong eye. The, the scar should be on the eye where the glow is. And the first thing I remember in my being 21 was, who the F do you think you are telling me about what's behind all of these different signals? He just thought if the eye is glowing and that's implanted, then there should be a scar. And I'm like, dude, don't tell me my character story. That scar was put there for a very deliberate reason. That is a mark with its own history, its own story. The the glowing eye isn't even bionic. It's what you may understand as bionic, but there's a history behind it. All of this, his history as a time traveler, what he'd seen, what he knew, his his wealth of knowledge of the X-Men world that he is re-entering because he is coming from the future, hopefully to save them from themselves. Same thing with with uh with with Deadpool when when my note on the Deadpool says Boba Fett type people are like see that means that he had no personality no bunghole that meant that Boba Fett was the first time that I had ever encountered a mercenary think about it Boba Fett was promoted uh, on on the uh on the Star Wars holiday spe- holiday special in 1978 Thanksgiving of 1978 your boy is 11. I am 11 years old. That is the first time I had ever heard of a bounty hunter. I'm not, I'm not 11 years old and reading guns and ammo. Uh, I'm, I'm not buying the gun, you know, magazines. I'm not going to the gun store. My dad didn't have pistols. He didn't hunt. So, so I'm, I'm not watching any television shows about mercenaries. I'm bounty hunter, mercenary, 
gun for hire, all these things that I learned from Boba Fett. Hence, the vocation. Boba Fett speaks to Deadpool's vocation. It is there on the notes. It was there in the conversations that I had with my editor when I was selling him Deadpool, when I was convincing him, you should go all in on this character. I, I asked him, does Wolverine, and I've covered this, there are five chapters to open our second year in January of, I believe, 2021. I did a five-part making of Deadpool part. One, two, three, four, five. You should listen to those. Those are uh, just the most uh, straightforward approach to the evolution of Deadpool over time, the merchandising, the movies, the cartoons, the video games, the, the, the creation from my desk. So I would come in. Now, many of you saw that early on when Marvel in their own Marvel Age magazine was promoting my characters, along with all of the characters from, uh, from the MLF, Zero, Forearm, Strobe, uh, uh, Wild, Wild Side, okay, including Cable and Strife. And it said Rob Liefeld. We continue to share Rob Liefeld's new characters and designs. Rob Liefeld's new character. They didn't mince words because they knew these characters came straight from me. And so they did, they did back-to-back months in 1989 as, as these characters were about to launch into 1987 with Cable and the MLF in, in, the, in the classic New Mutants 87, a book that carries a ton of weight with an entire generation because it changed so much and has a direct tether to what I'm going to end this with with X-Men the Animated Series. So. My characters had notes and, and they, and they, they had, uh, they, they had, you know, thoughts and direction. Cause that's how you presented. I saw, I was copying what I saw Art Adams doing when I saw that his long shot sketches were printed for about 10 years. I owned one of the pages of his long shot sketches and he had the same sort of ideas and concepts carrying forth, but he wasn't the writer of that. I was the writer of New Mutants 98. That's why it says story and plot. I conceived of the actions, the events, the characters, the consequences, the interactions of everything going on on the page. I just didn't do the finished dialogue. That was done under my direction via a scripter. Because again, if there was something to change, the editor would come back to me and say, are you okay with everything that is said here? Does it track with how you wanted this to come out? And I would say, yes, go, go ahead. Let's finish this. Let's, let, let's, uh, let, let's, um, Proceed. There was a character on those character designs named Cougar. I even draw a, drew a cover with him uh, on it. It was going to be an upcoming New Mutants issue somewhere between 87 and 98. And I had notations about Cougar. But you don't see Cougar in the Marvel Universe. I walked Cougar into the Image Universe as a part of Youngblood. So could I or could I not sell characters to Marvel? That answer is definitively answered between Cable, Deadpool, and then Cougar. I withheld on, I decided not to sign a character agreement that gave Cougar into the Marvel Universe in the same way that I signed a character agreement that gave Cable, that gave Domino, that gave Deadpool into the Marvel Universe. I do not sign those agreements. I do not transfer my characters into the Marvel Universe via an agreement. They don't exist for you to enjoy for all these years. I'm extremely proud of that as any creator would be extremely proud of. But the difference between me and Frank Miller was the conditions of the time. Not in terms of talent, conditions of the the time. And yes, I believe Frank Miller is umpteen times more talented than, than, than the man who is speaking into this mic right now, okay? But Frank didn't have open to him the same character equity agreements with Elektra as my generation would to the characters that we would create. So when I was creating characters, I was taking a flyer 
hey, this could really work out well for me. If this character turns out to be as successful as Wolverine, then I'm going to do great. This is like a tree I'm growing that, that, will sprout, that will sprout many branches and limbs and, and pay into the Liefeld family for years to come. That was the idea. That was the blueprint that I was uh, following based on what I had learned from other creators and the opportunities available to me at Marvel. I did it willingly. I wanted to populate, because the X-Men was my favorite comic book, I wanted to populate a wing of the X-Men universe with my own characters. And I was fortunate to do that. But again, if the TVA gets a hold of me, ain't none of that coming your way. So that makes the Deadpool Wolverine trailer even funnier. And so here's the deal. One of the other things, as I was watching the trailer, so this trailer starts rolling out, and uh, I, at Fox, they would send me the trailers days in advance. It would say, Rob Liefeld all over it, stamp, 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 because you're going to ask this. Were you not seeing this in advance? No. This is, my experience with Fox is not my experience with Disney. I prefer my experience with Fox. That's how I will keep it at this point. Um, it, it is pretty certain that, that nothing is going to change. Disney has said we run things differently. Fine. That, that's how things are run. At Fox, I would see this in advance, but I was also curious as to, having not seen this, how this was going to play out. Well, the, uh, the apartment scene when, with the cake and all the characters, including Vanessa and Shatterstar, who are celebrating with Deadpool, that was filming either the day after or the next day uh, when I was, my, the, the time that I spent on set last summer. And let me tell you something, nobody thought that the actors were going to strike, not the directors, the producers. Nobody thought that there was going to be an actor strike. The writer's strike, the script had already been completed prior to the writer's strike. So they were filming over in London and they had anticipated that it would be smooth sailing and that they would be wrapped by the second week, third week of September at the earliest. And this is everybody that I was talking to during my time on set and everyone uh, who's been on those, uh, those, worked on those movies. I mean, many of the people I've seen all three times I've been there. Uh, the, the, from the stunt performers to the to the makeup designers, the the costumers, they've they've been on all the movies, and so I was excited to 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 see to see the same people that I saw on Deadpool one, on Deadpool two, and then seeing them on Deadpool three. And I knew because Lewis Tan, who is I, I consider Lewis a friend, he portrayed Shatterstar in Deadpool two. Uh, we got to know each other really well during that time. He was so excited that he was coming back to be Shatterstar in that scene. He was in London. Uh, at the same time that I was in London, which is why, why I was able to get over there and get over to Pinewood, and uh, and 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 I knew that Lewis was filming the day after. And I knew it was the apartment scene, what they would call the apartment scene, because it was packed with so many of these characters. So the minute it shows that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right after I was there. Then later in the trailer, it's just random that of all the days that I spent on set, that that the stuff that I saw was in the trailer. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but I was like, oh my gosh, I was there for that. That's a, that's a fun feeling. And part of the reason why I'm being so careful about what I talk about is I don't want to uh, spoil anything. And so right now I'm just talking to you about trailer and footage that you've already seen, but I'm not going to tell you the stuff that I was there to witness because I, I, I don't want to give away any, any further spoilers. But, but anyway, I, I just knew this is all in the period that, that, that I was there and then I knew other people were coming in. And again, Lewis Tan was in London and I thought maybe I would cross over and see him, but they were doing the apartment scene a couple of days later. With I think it was actually the very next day. So I watched this unfold, 
And again, some of the, the finding out that stuff that I was there for that day was is is I'm like wow. And you know they they play the stuff back on the screen. I see the playbacks when I'm there on set. And uh, Sean Levy was extremely generous and kind. And uh, and 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 the stuff that I saw looked. Uh, he, he has he has a great eye. And and part of you know part of these comic book movies is is we absolutely critique what we call you know the shooter's eye, how the stuff looks. How 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 that those visuals are presented to us because they resonate with us that you know we 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 aren't reading books we're seeing movies we we are watching moving pictures and images and crops and the way things are staged matter and the way things are the 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 the, the effects on the lens the the uh, the approach to the directing all of that is so important when making a comic book film right so I am so excited to be seeing the stuff that I I already thought it looked really good when it was being filmed on set but then you see it on this. You know, Super Bowl ad, which has 122 million, I guess 123 million people watching it. And you're like, oh my gosh, this really looks great. And also the monitors that it was being played back to uh, for me on set are like, you know, 15 inch monitors. They're not the giant 70 uh, inch monitors and bigger than I'm watching the Super Bowl on. So now you're seeing it big and awesome. And of course, all of the uh, the TVA stuff was great. Matthew McFadden, uh, Oh my gosh, that guy could read the phone book and I would be in love with him. When he goes, walk with me. I mean, look, that he found that extra oomph in his career. Uh the the, the big break that was succession. And 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 to bring that succession mojo to to, to bring that succession kind of uh uh you know volume to, to 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 Deadpool. You see it right there. It's just great. And he plays off uh Ryan's so great. So, so again, the, 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 there's the, the, the stuff in the, in, the, uh, in, in the apartment and then suddenly with the TVA and then you get the stuff on the monitors and then they, and then they kick, kick you into all that great action stuff. And let me tell you something. I was fortunate enough to see uh, what they call previs on each and every action scene. And I have said this again, get ready for some great and killer action i i i've i've said to my friends privately i can tell you now i think there is some of the best action scenes in the mcu are going to be in deadpool wolverine i think the action choreography the stuff that i saw and i'm when i say previous i'm not talking about mannequins these dudes are serious in that they uh dressed up as stunt performers and did uh you know filmed on on the 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 stunt stages with the mats with the wires to to basically that's the level that they do their previs now it's it's not just mannequins mannequins and sketchboards that may be the, the the start but then these guys are dressing up in as stunt performers with costumes reenacting this to show how the blocking and 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 how the camera work is going to have to be set up and the conditions and the stuff that I saw was mind blowing and I literally was like oh my gosh cuz so much of us so so many of us in comic books we love our action What's, what good are superpowers if people aren't using them against each other, right? So you are in for a treat. I don't mind uh, telling you that there are some, I saw five action set pieces that I think uh, at least three of them are some of the greatest action set pieces that I've seen in a comic book movie. So that's just me getting hyped. And I probably said too much, but that, that, that really just thrilled me. And, 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 uh, and, and to see what I saw is some of that, some of that, Deadpool versus the TVA stuff that you're seeing playing out in the snow. Uh, ooh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it, it gets better. 
it absolutely gets better. So it's exciting. Obviously, holding out, holding Hugh back and not exposing him and just seeing the back of him uh, as, as that shadow uh, looms over Deadpool at the end was extremely exciting. And, it, you know, meant to tickle because, you know, I mean, look, now you've got an entire second. You don't need me to tell you this. You don't need me to, you know, you've already had a million people talk to you about this, blog about this. And that's part of the reason, like, why am I rushing to yell when everyone is yelling? I mean, everyone was yelling for 48 hours. Everyone's yelling. I didn't feel the need uh, to the person at Marvel who called and said, well, it's uh, been noticed that you're not speaking about it. A, I'm busy. B, the, 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 the volume is pretty loud right now. I will absolutely weigh in when, when, when there is an opening. And I feel like right now, this is a perfect opening. I get to yap, blab on and on and on to this, 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 this microphone and tell you um, how exciting it was and how great that they get another bite at the apple to, to withhold any, you, know, you didn't see Hugh's face. That's, you know, you presume, you can only assume and presume that, 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 that that's the second bite of the apple. That'll be coming in, in whatever next round. But I'm going to also say this. I'm going to wrap up the Deadpool trail, the Deadpool Wolverine with this. Uh, from all that I am aware and know, and uh, I don't even know how they can screen this movie before it opens. I don't. Uh, movie bloggers, God bless you. There's there, there so many of you that are the sweetest, kindest. Uh, you have so much uh, great integrity and, 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 and you, you follow kind of the code. But there's just a couple of you that want to run out of the theater at the premiere before the movie's coming out, five days. And you want to tell everybody that Harry Styles is, is in the end credit. And, and, and you, and you, and you got to be the first for whatever reason, for the clicks, for the followers. For, for whatever social media transaction you can you you can put forth and that benefits you uh I don't know how this movie gets seen prior to uh it opening without all of the stuff being blown that's i'm gonna, i'm gonna, i'm gonna stay i'm gonna, i'm gonna stay with all of the stuff uh th- this is a movie that is going to trade on lots of jolts I actually don't think the impact of this movie will ever you cannot duplicate it uh, it was done on on such a such a scale, and and I just don't know how you. I, I good luck. I don't know how you traditionally. I mean, back in the day when Marvel was on their absolute roll, like Black Panther, we went to that premiere two weeks before the movie came out because then they would go and it would travel the world, and sometimes the Marvel movies would open overseas. So I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I'm just laughing. I don't know how you uh, trust an audience to not. And look, they already lock our phones away. Okay. When you go into uh, every single uh, premiere I've been to, which which if it's Marvel or Sony, they ask that your phones get put in a bag and you can pick them up afterward uh, or, or have them unlocked afterwards. You, they, they put them in a like lead coated whatever and they lock it with a special lock that you can't unlock. And if you don't think that I have sat next to people who are trying desperately to unlock that phone. That cannot be unlocked. There's a pin. It's a magnet. It's super sealed. So the entirety of the movie, you can't be tweeting. You can't be taking any pictures. It's all very protective of that. Now, now we've seen, I think it was Mark Ruffalo or one of the big A-list members of the Avengers during either Endgame or Infinity War uh, kept recording uh, some stuff. I remember s- something like that occurred. Uh, but, but for the most part, that's in lockdown. You're in lockdown. And, and, and yet still, Somebody's going to run out and be the first to say, blah, 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 and then spoil it for everybody. So I, I don't know how they're going to um, actually 
even test screen this movie. I mean, I, 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 I'm completely baffled. I, I don't know what level of friends and family scrutiny is going to go into it, but uh, you're in, you're in for a great surprise. And and I hope I hope all the surprises stay the surprises, and that 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 you have a great time, and uh, you know that 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 all all of the uh, hard work that everybody put into it pays off, and that you know you guys can associate some of the great stuff, the stuff that you enjoy with the comic book creators. Uh, that without them, you wouldn't be watching any of this stuff. Without. Uh, Jack Kirby, you're not you're not seeing any any Captain America. He and Joe Simon created uh, Captain America. Without those two comic creators, there is a hole in the in the entirety of the publishing uh, world in regards to comic books. Comic creators, uh, we matter. You matter if you're a comic book creator. But I'm also, again, there's a lot of people who want to say, "Well, I, I did a storyline with that character and I created them." No, you did not. That is bullshit. One thousand percent. I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to go to a high-profile target here, Boba Fett. Uh, whatever happened in the book of Boba Fett or what happened in a comic book about Boba Fett or uh, doesn't mean you created Boba Fett. Bo- Boba Fett is, is a character, a design, an idea uh, from George Lucas. Th- then he walked to his, to Joe, Joe Johnston, his very talented uh, designer working under Ralph McQuarrie, and they fashioned a costume. And, and, and we were off to the races. But Darth Vader, just because you do something with Darth Vader, another high-profile talent, just because you do something with Darth Vader doesn't mean that you are in any way shaping. You, you, all you're doing is telling another story with a character that was previously established, a character that was originated by another. We are a bit of I, I, the, somewhere between credit robbing and credit greed. Uh, things have gotten crazy out of control because everybody can try and point to something and say, me, 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 me. When, come on, people, who are the people who without them, the characters would not uh, resonate? And please do not tell me uh, that Deadpool was not popular outside of me, uh, that that was more popular outside of me. Deadpool was the most popular, sold the most, reached the biggest audience, had the most impact. Uh, The lesser stuff sells far less, does not even hold a candle to the first several years of Deadpool. Uh, the first few appearances in the 90s. So just get out of here. When somebody tries to make that argument, that's not even an argument. It is factually defeated with numbers immediately. Okay. So, so just, just, I always hear, cause I encounter, look, I'm out there. I'm on social media. I see the, the guy with the two followers who, who wants to uh, put forth uh, all these counter myths. I call them myths. So don't fall for that stuff. That's ridiculous. Deadpool Wolverine, you are, you are, certain to have a good time i think it's the palate it's either the palate cleanser for the last phase or it's the you know uber appetizer to what is what is coming next okay but it is it is definitely uh i think going to be enjoyed by audiences uh all around the world so so pivoting again here here ross geller uh in in friends Yelling, yelling at Chandler, pivot! Okay, we're pivoting. We're pivoting to uh, X-Men the Animated Series, the, the, the X-Men 97, the series that everyone's been looking so forward to since it was announced at, I believe, uh, it was San Diego 2022. They came out and they, they showed the characters some sketches, got everybody excited. And now in March of 2024, it's going to be landing on Disney+. Plus. I, I think it's going to be a massive, giant success. Uh, and And... 
building on the massive giant success that the original X-Men animated series was. The original X-Men animated series was as big in many ways as an achievement as the the movie that launched from Fox in in you know the summer of 2000. Again, we've covered how nobody made a super team movie, a, a, a respectable super team movie reflecting the super team dynamics, the best sellers of Marvel and DC. Um, don't, don't be giving me like the mystery man and the shoveler, okay, and try and give me some you know e- equivalents to the X Men, the Justice League. Don't do that. The, the X Men was a huge. It had huge pressure to adapt because it was so beloved. It was so beloved for ages and ages and ages. It turned the fortunes of Marvel Comics around. We've covered that in so many different podcasts. And it kept turning their fortunes around as they evolved and and expanded and and experimented with ways to give us more X-Men. So those are some of my absolute favorite episodes. You should check those out. You should listen to those. Go in my back catalog, Google, or I'm sorry, Google search in the iPod, in the engine, X-Men. In Rob's observations, you'll get a couple of actually more than a couple because it is a favorite topic of mine x-men the animated series was doubted from the start does this sound familiar does does this sound like a familiar story a bunch of suits and executives and in this case the the domain of saturday morning cartoon was run by women and i got to meet uh one of the women she 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 was giving a green light to the youngblood cartoon which i then backed off of because i knew that i was going to be uh nine episodes and canceled it was just inevitable she didn't get it the only reason she was taking a meeting and wanted a superhero cartoon was because Fox was having success with them without understanding any of the reasons why Fox was having success with them. Uh, she, she was a titan in, in Saturday mornings because of Pee-wee's Playhouse, which she would, she had her Emmys, she had her Pee-wee Playhouse all behind her at her desk. She would tell, well, I gave the world Pee-wee's Playhouse. I greenlit Pee-wee's Playhouse. I, this, that, that. Well, the industry had changed. It had pivoted away from that style the care bears that stuff the cuddly and fox had gone all the way in and they too had a a uh, a woman running the show there and she took the leap of faith and the x-men animated series came together but not without its hurdles and we're going to discuss uh we're going to we're, we're going to discuss all of those aspects over the period of time because we cannot possibly stuff all of this into one show but we are going to uh set the table today with our first really dedicated look at X-Men, the animated series, doing so from the book X-Men, the art and making of the animated series by Eric Lewald and Julia Lewald. This this book that I just mentioned, X-Men, the art and making of the animated series, is a beautiful coffee table book. Again, written, chronicled by Eric and Julia Lewald. It talks of the uh, earliest conceptions, and 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 uh, versions of the X Men animated series as it was being put together, and and the gambles and and the risks, and and they cover so much uh, material here. It is it is such a great read. I would I would absolutely if you if you want to order that immediately following uh, th- th- this episode from Amazon, I'm sure you can find it. I'm going to read to you from their introduction. Uh, that th- they have a fantastic. They have a fantastic introduction. And uh, what they say on the first page, last paragraph, the 80s had seemed to be poised for a Marvel television breakout. Marvel Comics had set up their own Hollywood-based TV production company, Marvel Productions, bringing in Stanley and a respected group of animation writers and artists. Led by president and animation industry veteran Margaret Loesch, 
SCH. They all understood Marvel comic books and worked tirelessly and worked tirelessly to get them on the air. This was, uh, I mean, really the beginning, the, the beginning is uh, 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 something special here. But again, as, I, as, as, I, as I've stated to you, it is not, and you will see without multiple hurdles, just multiple hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. It says in 1987, a frustrated Margaret Loesch decided to, uh, to, to force the issue of making an, a Marvel animated show. She says, for years, we could not give a Marvel show away. Nobody picked them up. Because the buyer said, nobody wants these because nobody had one. So if no one had one, then nobody wanted them. See, see the logic there? If no one had one because no one had faith to have one, then no one wanted one. It wasn't that, that they weren't working. It was that they weren't given their shot because there was a predisposed uh, judgment that nobody wants this stuff on Saturday morning cartoon. They want Care Bears and, and they, want, they want Pee-wee's Playhouse. So Margaret Loesch in 97 decided, 1987 decided to force the issue. And... She took the money that was set aside for Marvel Productions to make a RoboCop cartoon, a RoboCop episode, and she took a 300000 gamble to make an X-Men pilot. That would go on to be called Pride of the X-Men. That was a, I believe in, in, the, in the early 90s, you could actually get the video. They, they finally released it, but for the, long, for the longest time, it was just talked of in hallowed, you know, in, in, in hallowed uh, uh, terms about, oh my gosh, Pride of the X-Men. It, it, it was a, a basically a, a one-episode example of what the X-Men could be in, in cartoon form. Where, where everything starts to change is that Margaret Loesch leaves Marvel Studios for a post heading up Fox Saturday morning, Fox, Fox Kids Entertainment. She, she takes that post in 1990. Margaret, Margaret came on as president of their new Fox Kids Network division. And of course, she moved fast-tracking to investigate how do we get the X-Men on the air. Now, many of the people that did Pride of the X-Men, many of those talents are on board and she brings back, she gets the group back together to assemble and make the X-Men animated series that we, we have all known and loved so much. Some of the talents that, that, that Margaret had working on the show, uh, Will Minio, well, Minio is a talent that had given us the DNA agents and, and other assorted comics that I grew up reading. The DN agents, uh, the DNA agents was published by Eclipse, was their answer to kind of the X-Men. And he was a really very talented uh, comic book illustrator. But like so many, he went to be in the storyboard and animation division of so many of these different uh, productions because whether it was G.I. Joe, Transformers, He-Man, uh, uh, you know, Thundercats, these, these cartoons were booming and the pay was just simply better. Jim Valentino in that bridge between him doing Normal Man and Myth Adventures and Guardians of the Galaxy was working regularly, paying the bills, uh, paying his mortgage, working as a storyboard artist on, on shows like Ghostbusters and, and other, other animated shows that were handed to him. And he would start asking me to help him out on deadlines and, and give me kind of the, the, uh, the, the stick figure breakdowns on each of the storyboards and then model sheets and, and, and to, to, to match all the different model sheets with the different layouts and blocking and staging that he had done in the, in, in the storyboards. Again, speaking to the incredible talent that Jim had, 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 has had as a storyteller and being able to learn from him 
was was phenomenal. But many of these guys in, in Southern California had a ton of these guys who were they would rather, you know, get the big salary doing sketch work than have to do this finished uh finished completed work for superhero comic books and and if you didn't make a name or if you didn't break out you became kind of a journeyman guy and the pay for journeyman wasn't what it was the same for fan favorites so many of them retreated into the animation world so will minio and the brilliant larry houston uh who, who i had seen drawing comics i think he did some some thunder agents uh when i was a kid uh the, the, these are some of the incredible talents that were assembled to help bring the X-Men animated series together who had worked on Pride of the X-Men. And so Margaret Loesch assembles this team to make this presentation. She's the head of Fox. And, and somebody even said, are you going to bet your job? They have in this introduction, are you going to bet your job on the X-Men? And she's like, you bet I'm going to bet my job. I believe in this. I believed in it then. I believe in it now. And, and thank God for Margaret. Otherwise, we don't get the show. It says that the difference between 87 and... and, and, uh, and uh, 1992, because it, it, it says that they had their final kind of presentation meeting in February of 1992. Now, here's the, here's the deal. What changed is Marvel was bought, uh, you know, by, by, by Ron Perlman, who owned Revlon Cosmetics, big Wall Street player, big, big money guy. And, and he wanted Marvel's stock to soar. It's one of the reasons that I was able to fight and get X-Force the green light. I've talked about that on previous podcasts. I had to fight Marvel for the right to sell them 5 million copies of a launch comic, which is the number two best-selling comic book of all time. Uh, I had to fight them. And one of the things that I had going for me was that they needed to show big gains, big developments, big successes on the books, because now it was all about the stock, stock, stock. And it's the same way that when uh, Barron's Financial Magazine and Wall Street Journal reported on us leaving Marvel that their stock took a dip and it hurt them which we did not see coming. That was not something we could have ever anticipated. But I knew previously that they were looking to, to, to sell big copies of books. Spider-Man had whet their appetite. They had immediately moved to X-Men. I had a year to convince them less than that to, to wedge X-Force in. And again, X-Force, number two best-selling book of all time. Does not have Wolverine, does not have Spider-Man. Am I ridiculously proud of it? I am. I am as proud of the, of the will to keep pushing and not give up and not say die as I am of the actual lines on the paper and the, and the storytelling and the work that you received in that book, because so much had to happen behind the scenes, but the, 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 the financials of the company, Marvel selling 5 million copies you know, of one single book in one month really is, is a tide that lifts all ships. And then X-Force number two was number one the next month, and then X-Men arrives. And now you got multiple million sellers, and, and it's just this fantastic success for Marvel. And the reason I am citing that is it says that when they all met in February of 1992, think of the world we're living in now. X-Men is a much bigger property, not just in the public and not just successfully, not just in comic stores, but it is a bigger property for for Marvel as an asset. And it says uh, that, that this is uh, the authors, Eric LeWald and Julie LeWald are talking about the day that they entered the building, February 17th, 1992, entered an expansive, uh, an expansive concert, uh, not expensive, expansive conference room on the top floor of the Saban building in Toluca Lake, California. The meeting was hosted by Fox Kids uh, TV with Margaret Lotion attendance. 
and it says Bob Harris, uh, longtime X-Men editor Bob Harris was in attendance, uh, along with creator Emeritus Stan Lee. He says, these were the folks chosen to be part of the production unit that was going to bring X-Men animated to the air. And again, Bob Harris is there because now Bob is the guru of X-Men. Bob has the million-selling comic books that emanated from his office and, and has the characters that, that, that are the number one franchise for Marvel Comics. And he is able to, be, uh, to, to absolutely uh, be the guy that is the overseer and the, 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 the connector to what's going on in New York publishing, to what's going to be happening in Burbank in regards to the animated series. The creative huddles happen. Everything, you know, starts moving forward. But the end of this introduction, uh, the the Lewalds tell you who they are. It says, author's note. Before we start, we, being Eric and Julia Lewald, should introduce ourselves. Eric Lewald and Julia Lewald wrote for the television, uh, wrote, wrote, wrote for television, primarily animated series. You have just read how Eric became the showrunner on X-Men, the animated series. Together or separately, we have showrun 14 different animated series. Combined, we have credits on more than 700 half-hour televised episodes. It's been fun work, and it's been demanding. And X-Men, the animated series, was the best job that we ever had. We met on staff at Disney Animation in 1988 during the time of an explosion of animated TV series uh, collectively called the Disney Afternoon. Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, DuckTales, Talkspin, Darkwing Duck. Winnie the Pooh, etc., most of which we wrote for. Before we left in 1991, we were married and expecting that old Disney magic. During the five years of production on X-Men the Animated Series, 1992 to 1997, Eric, of course, was living and breathing all things X-Men. Every moment of every story was created, adjusted, or okayed by him. Julia kept her hand in, writing two scripts, Days of Future Past Part 1, and Whatever It Takes, coming up with the ideas for others, Beauty and the Beast, before she had a network show all her own, CBS's Skeleton Warriors, and an award-winning animated TV movie to write for Fox, Robert Heinlein's Red Planet. Despite these and other commitments, Julia managed to remain a strong voice in the development uh, meetings for each of every five seasons of the X-Men. So these cats came to play. It's in their blood. And I'm going to touch on a few things that happened in the, in the early stages, I think, that are of particular note that you'll enjoy. The, the aspect, and it's early on in this incredible coffee table book uh, written by Eric and Julie LeWald. Early on, when they're coming up with the, basically, the mission statement, the mission statement of the X-Men animated series, they share with all of us, what is an X-Men story? What is an X-Men story? X-Men is different from most animated action adventure shows that you may have seen or written before. It is more about the lives of the characters, heroes and villains alike than ingenious plots or nonstop death-defying physical jeopardy. It's not important whether or not the bad guy succeeds in blowing up the Pentagon. What matters is how Wolverine deals with the pain of losing a friend while trying to stop it. The plot to showcase character, not the other way. Use plot to showcase character, not the other way around. Which is not to say, now this is an internal memo. This is what they wrote for their staff. What is an X-Men story? It is not to say that the X-Men will lack action, pace, or intensity. We want these shows to move fast and to be dense with dramatic crises. Action scenes will play like Terminator 2. But more often than not, the crisis is personal, not physical. Think of the famous Star Trek scene where Kirk 
has to let the woman he loves get killed for the sake of all future lives. There was matchless dramatic tension created by a man watching a woman walking slowly across a street. The drama was inside the character. X-Men is a show of gray areas. We understand most of our villains, even sympathize with some. X-Men victories tend to be mixed blessings and are never achieved without a loss of some kind. Good guys fight with each other, have bad days, and are capable of being petty and intolerant. One might even leave the X-Men in disgust and join the enemy. Through it all, however, our X-Men distinguish themselves by maintaining their values of friendship, loyalty, and personal sacrifices. Whatever the cost, they do what must be done. So, interesting sidebar. I've been hypercritical of the House of X era because it had none of that. Because it had none of what I have just read to you. So hopefully, as X-Men 97 marches back into our eyeballs, as we all get ready for it, in, in actually March, it's going to march towards us in March, uh, and, and we get basically the new seasons, the next seasons, the sixth season beyond of, of what was intended with the animated series, the publishing will reflect the same. I, th- I, th- I, think, I think a brand new era of X-Men is coming from Marvel Publishing. It's very exciting. But uh, I just wanted to leave with that memo, because that memo will become contested. What is an X-Men story is about to be, uh, be, be become an issue. And the entire animated series is threatened before it gets out of the gate. And that is what we are going to cover on our very next episode. As we dive deeper into X-Men, the animated series, we are going to go and we are going to examine all of uh, what is yet to come as this series fights to not just get on the air, but to break out. And then all that follows, we're going to cover it. We, I told you today, we're just going to open this door. We're going to start walking in this direction. And we have, and I am so excited to share this with you because like you, hey, I was in my 20s. I never missed an episode. Saturday mornings, I was watching X-Men, the animated series on Fox. And, uh, and, and I was fortunate enough also to see so many of my characters interact and, and take really center stage on the series as well. So it was so infinitely rewarding on so many different levels but we have opened the door this book by eric and julia lewald is fantastic it's l-e-w-a-l-d in case you're wondering i'm not sure if it's out of print i got it a couple years back i've been waiting to share with you from this now seems like the best time and again come back we're going to continue we're going to pick up where we left off here on our very next episode thank you as always for listening for, for participating for going on this incredible journey with me um the X-Men animated series is such an important uh, moment and, and, and has incredible impact on the comic industry at large. And, and I look forward to sharing so much of the contents that are in this book with you guys as, as, as uh, we finally put, this, put it where it belongs and, put, and, and shine the spotlight on it. So uh, come back. Don't miss. Thank you so much, as always, for hanging out. When we get to this point of the episode is where I share so many of the incredible reviews that you have shared on behalf of this show. And, and I, I love to, to bring them to, to you guys because, look, I tell you, if you read it, I will share it. And you have, not if you read it, if you write it, if you give us a, a uh, if, if, if you give us a, uh, a, a review, we're going to share it here on the air. Generally, it's, it's, at, the, it's at the end. Um, uh, it's at the end of, 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 uh, of each and every episode, but it, that, that, that it doesn't make it any less exciting to share with you. And so, uh, this is, uh, this is just a great opportunity 
to to uh, to let you guys know how other members of the audience feel about the show and share it with you. And it helps very much to to stand us out on this platform, this very competitive platform. And I am so uh, absolutely just floored by the amazing response that you have all had to this show. And I just thank you in advance for these reviews that you sent in for me to read. So, so, so get ready. Cause, cause this one is, uh, th- th- this one is, uh, I, I, this is a very generous review, but it's, it's a bit of a, it, look, I'm just going to read it. It's great. And, 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 and I know you're going to walk along uh, along this review with me. Uh, this is by GL Steele. He, he left this on the Apple podcast, which I think is the easiest way to uh, reach us. But some of you have told me I don't have Apple anything. So you've, you've, you've sent them to me in different text via messenger, uh, different, different platforms. That's great. This one by GL Steele was left on Apple Podcasts. It is called A Self-Indulgence, an Intergenerational Portal. So he is saying that this show is a self-indulgence for him. It's an intergenerational portal. He gives us generously five stars. He says, listening to Rob Liefeld is literally a selfish indulgence for me. The inspirational era and influences that Rob speaks of with such passion and insight are the same stories and artists that resonated with my youth. One of the most enjoyable aspects of listening is hearing the cultural context that these comics were released in, what was happening on television and film in society as a whole. Comics reflect so much of our society, and these aspects of the art form are too often overlooked. Rob paints those pictures, and as a 59-year-old man, speaking of J.L. Steele himself, as a 59-year-old man, his history and context resonate with me. Beyond the selfish indulgence is this intergenerational portal that Rob provides. My two adult sons were exposed to comics through my love of them, but it would be Rob's characters that would inspire them. And now we all listen to Rob's observations from our various residences across two states and text and call about the different episodes and often get to dive deeper into our respective experiences and inspirations. Do you remember when that happened? Do you have a copy of this? I don't know. You, I didn't know you ever followed the character, that character, writer, artist, so on, so forth. My gratitude for Rob's observations. My gratitude for the work you do and the passion you exude as you do that work. These platforms are often used for negative and critical and critical efforts. I am very grateful you sow the seeds of positivity and encouragement that you do, Rob. My sons and I will continue to enjoy your observations as long as you are willing to share them. You guys continue to to top yourselves and uh, as as Donkey says to Shrek, you move me deep. You move me deep, okay? Uh, <laughs> that was deeply moving. It resonates with me. I so enjoy, again, talking about the eras and, and, and the times that these comics were created in and, and, and all of the different outside forces that were swirling around them, and, and as well as the creators and motivations and inspirations. So, G.L. Steele, thank you. Thank you to you and your sons for listening to this show. Thank you for writing that very generous uh, review. I know that was uh, was not something you just coughed out. It was carefully constructed, and I hope that I uh, did it. Uh, I, ho- I hope that I honored it with my reading of it. Thank you so much, and to each and every one of you who who leaves a review like GL Steele just did. Uh, thank you in advance, and I will read it on air here at the end of each and every show. Thank you, as always, whenever you get your keyboards and you type out any sort of support for the show. We 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 are enjoying it. So very much. We continue to be the number one. You can say that Rob Observations, you listen to the number one uh, comic book podcast in the podcast universe. That is 1000% facts. 
since returning here, since returning in January, we have been number one each and every day. There is not a single day that we have uh, that we have seated that mark, and you guys continue to just show up in droves. And I cannot uh, again appreciate it enough. And, and you know what? Even when we do, and 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 maybe we'll get topped uh, at some point. Look, it's the aggregate. Like I've told you, when my buddy and I got our membership at Twenty Four Hours Fitness, Twenty Four Hour Fitness out here in nineteen eighty six, when they had just opened a branch out here. In, uh, in in Brea, California, in La Habra, two different branches, and we went on a sat on a on a Sunday night to play racquetball, and they're like, "Oh, we're we're closing at six. It was like five fifty. And I'm like, "Wait, you're twenty four hours seven? And he goes, "You didn't read your contract. You didn't read your contract. All we have to do is be open one single day to justify calling ourselves twenty four seven, twenty four hour fitness seven days a week because they 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 really beat that home. And I'm like, "Those bastards! Now that's a loophole." Uh, that, that is a loophole for the ages. Now you're like, Rob, they're all, yes, over time, they've built their model. Um, but maybe you have one that's not. And you know what? It's in the contract. It's in the fine print. So we have been number one every day, every week. Thank you for supporting us. I, I want to share that with you because um, why not? It, it was pointed out to me last summer uh, and, and, and the, the metrics and the data were shown to me and I was, I was thrilled. I was excited. So thank you. Thank you as this, as this show continues to grow. Uh, and, 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 and exceed every expectation. I just want to share my gratitude with you. When I am not podcasting, I am out and about. I am all over social media. There's Twitter slash X, the, 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 the platform formerly known as Twitter, now X. I am at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. I want you to join with me in, in interacting with me on that platform. I love it. I, it's never been more fun. Uh, the interactions, the back and forth, uh, I just love hearing from you in your DMs, your replies, uh, the, 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 the discussions that we have. It's such a great way to talk to you. And I talk to so many of you and I want to continue to talk to so many of you. So follow me uh, on X, the, the platform formerly known as Twitter. It's R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D, the full name, Robert Liefeld. I got the blue check signifies I am a verifiable person. It is really me that you are talking to and replying to. And uh, so give me a follow. I will look forward to seeing you there. My favorite of all the social media platforms is Instagram. I love all the pictures. I love the shares. I am sharing with you what I'm drawing, what I'm eating, the people I'm hanging with, my, my, my family, my friends. Uh, it is my visual diary. That's how I, that's how I kind of uh, view it. And I absolutely love sharing it with you. I love that you come along for the ride with me over there. And I would um, ask for you to continue to, if you haven't checked me out, follow Rob Liefeld. I just got Rob Liefeld over there. I was so lucky that my wife uh, turned me on Instagram so early. R-O-B-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. I got the blue check over there too to signify that you are talking to someone legit, verified, uh, not a phony baloney uh, imposter of which there are always many. But uh, I, I read your replies, your DMs, uh, your mentions. Uh, just thank you so much for following me. Continue to follow me. I will continue to share with you uh, the latest and the greatest, the news uh, uh, of, of, the, of the work that I'm doing. I'll give you sneak peeks and so much more. Follow me on Instagram at Rob Liefeld Blue Check. That's really me. Over on Facebook, we have a group. It's a group. It's called Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. I would love for you to join us. Either myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, will click you on through. We are the two administrators, the two moderators. It has got great vibes. It's a fun group. We talk comics. We talk comic movies. Do you know how many, you know how many times that Deadpool Wolverine trailer was shared in one afternoon over there? Uh, 
we, we have a great time. There are great art contests, so many great artists that, that populate the group. Uh, Terry Sala regularly uh, runs art contests, and we, have, we, vote, we vote on them via the, 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 the membership, uh, weighing in on different polls. And, and so it's all on the up and up. We love having you over there. We love the discussion. So much of what we discuss here, we continue to discuss deeper, uh, more thoughtful, uh, uh, lo- more long-form ways over on that group. So I would love to see you over there. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond, come on over. We would love to see you. We would love to visit with you. And I look forward to seeing you over there. It looks like about twice a week, I am on an app called Whatnot. Whatnot is the state-of-the-art breakthrough uh, live stream collectible app. Uh, it's sports kicks, it's jerseys, it's sports memorabilia, it's comic books, it's trading cards, it's playing cards, it's role-playing. They ha- if, if you want it, they have it. And there are many different retailers and, uh, and, 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 uh, and stores that have sites on there. My whatnot, Rob Liefeld, follow me on Rob, get the app, get the, download the app, sign up and follow me, Rob Liefeld, so that you'll get alerted when my shows go live. I have a brand new comic I am only making available through the live stream. It is called Last Blood. It chronicles uh, characters that I have owned for the last 32 years that were born at Image Comics through my Extreme Studios label and some new characters and new faces to boot. And it shows uh, the journey and the... Uh, the, the, the kind of uh, end of those characters, maybe the demise. I figured if, if someone's going to write the end of my universe, it should be me as I am getting up there in years and I still think that I'm doing strong work. I should be the guy that shares with the, w- this with you. The first issue has sold out multiple times. We keep doing fresh editions. People scoop them up. Just the other night, we put a brand new allotment in and boom, they were gone within 10 seconds. Uh, I, I, I cannot thank you enough for the support that you've given my career. And, and, and as a result of that, I am able to come live with you to the live stream. It's me looking right at you for two hours, maybe longer, maybe slightly less. Uh, it's somewhere in, the, in between. Uh, I am speaking right to you. Many of you have said it's kind of uh, 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 an extension of this show. I'm there. I'm talking. I'm, I'm a little grumpier. I'm a little surlier because I always do observations early in the day when I'm happy and the caffeine is flowing. And later at night, um, I'm a little grumpy. The day. The day has been long, but but I, I still try and give you my best set, my best face, my best self, and I hope that you can interact with me because we have tons of exclusives, variants, stuff that you can only get from me on whatnot. I did a New Mutants cover for whatnot, an exclusive. I did Deadpool covers exclusively for whatnot. I did a Captain America cover exclusively for whatnot. Um, we we have got a Thundercats cover exclusively from whatnot. So so the only way to get these exclusive Rob Liefeld comic books, Last Blood, is a twenty-eight page full color brand new chapter in my publishing universe and you can only get it through me through the live stream please follow me on whatnot be alerted to my shows and i look forward to seeing you uh when we go live generally twice a week midweek and weekends is is what we generally hit but if you follow me you'll get a notification and it'll let you know when i am coming to you thank you once again first and foremost for listening to this show for being uh, uh, just the best audience, the best listeners. I am so thrilled to continue to study the impact and the influence and the history, the rich history of the comic book world, the publishers you'd never heard of, the titles you'd never heard of, maybe the creators that deserved a greater spotlight. That's what we do here. And I am so excited uh, that we get to take this ride together. You know that you personally, you matter to me, your your emotional and physical and, and spiritual and mental well-being are a priority. 
and you need to get off the, gr- the, 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 the treadmill, get off the grind every once in a while. Make it a, an absolute priority between now and the next show. Take time for yourself. Get away. Get into that den, that playroom. Get on that couch. Watch that great streaming movie. Go actually go to a theater. See a great film. Have a great meal with your wife, your kids, your friends. Uh, Italian, Mexican, sushi, uh, uh, Chinese food. Get, get fast food. Get in and out. Oh my gosh. I love a burger. I, I just, I am a burger-aholic. But get out. Enjoy yourself. Step away. Feed your soul with stuff you love. With art. Whether it's music, the written word. Uh, the filmed, uh, uh, you know, you know, filmed stories. Uh, I just, life is tough. I got three adult kids, been in a marriage, 29 years this, this, this summer, been with my wife, 32 years. Just life always has uh, a curveball. It has a burden. It has something unexpected. It also has high highs that you want to celebrate with others to extend because enjoy those times. You only got this one life, you know, as they say, and you need to live it to the best of your of your abilities, but, but, but look for love and fun and, and the things that stimulate you when you are away from the grind and you got to get away from the grind. I have to get away from the grind. So I am rooting for you. I hope you are going to do your very, you are, you are doing your very best and, and I, and I will continue to lift you up and root you on. And with a fist bump, boom, right into this blue Yeti mic. I wish you all the very best, uh, between now and when we talk again, and speaking of talking again, you got to come back. I'm going to be here. Don't leave me stranded. We will absolutely, most definitely, inevitably talk again real soon.